From the familiar to the taboo and sometimes uncomfortable, join us for thought-provoking tales of period drama, women's health, cultural and societal issues affecting women today and chats with clever gals with Moxie who are killing it in life and business. I'm your host, Mia Klitsis, co-founder and head Moxette at Moxie Products. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Girls Got Moxie podcast. Today I'm joined by AJ Clementine, a Melbourne-based content creator and LGBTQI plus advocate who shares her struggles with growing up with what was only more recently medically diagnosed as gender dysphoria and its treatment, which for AJ came in the form of sexual reassignment surgery around 12 months ago. Her story has made national news headlines and despite facing trolls and backlash along the way, she continues to educate, inspire and advocate for change by sharing her experiences, in turn helping other young trans people and those around them navigate similar journeys. As you'll hear in this ep, AJ so generously and eloquently shares her story and tells us all about her transition. We also talk why being trans is not a choice and what femininity means in today's society. AJ Clementine, welcome to Girls Got Moxie. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. We've had a bit of a chat over the phone and we actually just spoke then for about half an hour off mic. (laughs) I feel like we could talk a lot, but it's really, really great to have you on the potty. Thank you so much for your time. I'm excited. Yeah, same. (laughs) Tell us a bit about AJ. So I am a content creator from Melbourne. I started my YouTube channel like a few years, actually like my first year out of high school. Um, I always was creating content in high school just as like a fun little thing to do on the side. But then um, I kind of saw a place to create content where it could potentially add a bit of visibility for girls like me. I do make videos about my transgender experience and just being really authentic and open about what's actually gone on in my life and how I navigated my own transition. And yeah, from there, I've just been able to do a whole lot of fun things. Like I took on doing some modeling just so that I could add some visibility in that kind of space. And for more like future projects, I'm doing some like acting and getting to star in like a web series, which is really exciting. And just telling those stories and, more importantly, telling my own. Yeah, you are the absolute epitome of what it means to have Moxie. I've got stuck in a vortex of your YouTube videos because they're just, they're so good. And you just come across like you're so warm and so, I think, so generous with sharing your story as well and sharing all your experiences and there's no doubt you've helped so many people. I mean, just reading all the comments, even on a lot of those posts, it's just amazing how many people are just even, you know, talking about things that perhaps previously as a society we weren't comfortable talking about. And these are the things we need to be talking about because this is life. This is very real life. So it sounds like you had a bit of a tough time, particularly going through high school. I feel like when I was growing up, it's very different to how things are now. There wasn't so much information around trans people. And if I did come across something trans related, it was like negative and something that 
I was like, like, wow, what's this? This is like crazy. How is this even a thing? So um, most of those years were like pushing this thought in the back of my head and like my parents being so like confused and also wanting to get help because I was changing from this happy child that would just like live freely and didn't really care what people think. I would dress up and not saying that dressing up equals that you're a girl, but my parents were very open-minded and my mum would paint my nails and like would let me wear whatever I'd like to wear. And I thought it was just normal. Like I didn't really think anything of it. But when I started to realize as a child that the world wasn't what I thought it was in my head, it kind of started from like my mum being from the Philippines and not really knowing much English, people would treat her differently out in public I would see that they would speak kind of rudely and like not really have any patience and I'm like why is my mum being treated like this so like having that as a child in your head and then my mum was kind of just like this is how people are and like you could go out and wear dresses and grow your hair out and all that kind of stuff like that but people will think it's weird. And being a child, I was just like, I'm not ready to face that. So I just want to not do it anymore and just cut it off because I didn't want to face that. And props to all the children now who are just living freely and they don't care. And that's amazing. But there's so much stuff being built around that now where it's accepted. But back then it was kind of like, no, people will stare. Mm-hmm. And as a child, you don't really want that attention. So, like, that was kind of the first step of me realizing that me liking these certain things needed to change because I wasn't going to be able to do that living as a boy. So my parents thought that that was kind of something that was making me unhappy or, like, it was because of my anxiety and all those kind of things like that. Like, I quit the choir and like all of these things I loved and just completely changed who I was going into high school. Those years were very much like trying to once again connect with that identity that the person that I essentially lost who I truly was. Like it's very difficult to live a life where it's just a lie when it's not the Mm. truth. There's like one role that you really get with your life and that's playing yourself. And when you're not playing that role, like it's it's difficult because you don't know what you're really doing. Like, for example, like you wouldn't be able to be present or be in like people's company because you don't even like your own company or you don't even like truly like yourself. So how can you really be there for other people? And that was what I felt like. So like those are like the darkest years of my life just because it was so confusing and I couldn't put how I felt into words. And when it came to me finally realizing maybe I should start doing the things I wanted to do, changing my wardrobe, getting fit and just doing some like things that I felt like I needed to do because I led to feeling comfort in like food and I put in a lot of weight throughout high school, just basically just gave up myself. But I took a leap and was just like, maybe I need to turn my life around, change up my hair. And I kind of entered this whole phase thinking I needed to be this hyper-feminine version of myself, which is completely different to who I am today. But um, 
whenever I have moments where I bring this up with my boyfriend, he's always like, I cannot see you like that. Like, it's a completely different character you betrayed. And it's crazy that I thought that this was who I needed to be. But it just shows that that was another thing that was shaped by how I felt at the time was like, if I want to be a girl, then this is what I needed to take on. So I started to do things I thought were feminine and girly and traditionally what girls would do. And it was more so just kind of copying and mimicking what I saw in that kind of time, Um, the clothes that I would wear. And like, I guess your teen years are to explore, like you're all supposed to like, but we all have those times when you have those tragic makeup moments and all that kind of stuff like that. So I'm glad I had that time. But um, learning how to be a girl and plus having that in high school at the same time where I haven't really officially labelled myself self as well was difficult because I would have situations where I didn't really see myself passing as a girl, which is not a great term to use. It just was something that I was doing. Yeah, I didn't really realise that what I was doing led to people at my school seeing me as a girl and being confused and being like, is that a boy or is that a girl? I was just doing what I felt made me happy and was being true to myself. I was just going about my school life and I would use the boys' bathroom because that's what I, what society was kind of being like, you're a boy, so you use the boys' bathroom. And then the boys in other years would be like, oh, like, what's this lesbian doing in the bathroom? And, like, report it. Um, so, like, have, like, chats with the coordinators and, like, the chats would just go down. It's, like, nothing really. Like, there wasn't really a solution. It was just, like... Um, maybe don't go in there when there's other boys or that kind of Which stuff. Is it crazy, wasn't. Right? It felt like it was my problem. Like it was something that I need to stop, and it, and it actually did become that thing. Like the more times the coordinators had to deal with the problem, it became like stop wearing nail polish, don't wear makeup, make sure you're wearing the correct uniform. So it's you had to conform. <laughs> yeah, like, like I had to change. putting you in a box and because like, society didn't know how to how to treat you. Yeah, exactly. and you were just being. Yeah, yeah I was that's just, like that's not enough for society. You have to be this or that or something that we recognize mm-hmm. or identify with to make them feel comfortable. And like their excuse just became it's not a part of uniform what you're doing. And I was confused because every other girl was wearing nail polish, every other girl was wearing makeup, every other girl was changing up their uniform to fit their style and stuff like that. And yes, that wasn't allowed, that wasn't a part of uniform. But I even told one of the coordinators one time, like being a teen, I was had so much emotion as I wanted to not get angry at authority and just be a good student. But there was just one time where I was just like, well, you go and tell every other girl to stop doing it too and then I will stop. Yeah. And they were just silent. And like it was true because why were they telling me to stop? That wasn't the solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. There should have just been another option for me to go to the bathroom safely and not be harassed or like hearing snarky comments Mm. just about being in the restroom you know what I mean Um, it's crazy to think that and to think that that wasn't that long ago and thankfully we've come a part of a way I guess in that now we've got gender neutral bathrooms and I feel like perhaps teachers and 
adults and just society, I think, is becoming more aware because of people like you who are, who are so vocal and uh, so open in sharing their, their experiences and just communicating how you felt. Yeah, Because exactly. no one should be made to feel like that. And like you said, you're trying to establish your identity and you're conflicted mm-hmm. about who you are and who you should be and and then I guess to not have that support from people that maybe you looked up to. It sounds like you had great support at home, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. But then to not kind of get that same respect from society, yeah. I can imagine would just be so just really horrible to deal with. And, you know, that's your reality in everyday life. You're having to go to school or for people that work or, you know, whatever, you know, in whatever walk of life um, would just be horrible to think that you can't just be because other people don't really understand Oh, I guess it's like other people don't know how to be either, Mm. just in a different way. Yeah, or just not being informed about it because, like, I wasn't informed about it. Mm. So it's just, like, it's not – so the thing I don't, like, blame the teachers or just my school for not having knowledge around it. It's just the fact of it just wasn't. No one really knew. They're going off what someone else is being told that – these behaviors are not good and you're supposed to stop it in its tracks or like it's going to be better that way which it wasn't because I was started not doing very well in school and like I like took days off and didn't go to any like sports kind of things like I would have I loved doing sports like I would have done it but the fact it was like single sex I was like no way in hell I was going to do sport with all these guys that just make fun of me and stuff like that um, and be confused about why I'm in their group and that I'll be like a dead weight because apparently I'm weak or something, all that kind of stuff. And I would have breakdowns where I'd like leave the classroom and just like go home. And I remember teachers would just like, they would feel bad because they feel like they're part of the problem, which essentially they were because they weren't really helping situations that made me feel like I was an outcast and making me feel like I was a freak, essentially, that there was something wrong with me. And the only place I felt safe was at home. Mm. So they would always, like, put me on, like, a suicide watch where they'd have all my friends message me or come to my house. The teachers sent... They would leave their classes to come and check up on me, which I was like, this is not... Like, don't, because that made me feel crappy as well. Yeah, the fact you're like, like, you're singling me out. Yeah, yeah, and that, like, now my friends, like, obviously they want to miss class, but I'm like, mm. they shouldn't, <laughs> like, have, they shouldn't have to come and take care of me like a little baby. That's mm. not cool for a teen to feel that way. Mm. But um, there was, like, one moment that was so, like, defying and, like, meant so much to me in my whole, like, beginning of my transition um, where my English teacher at the time just gave me, um, a news article clip, like it was, he just cut it out and gave it to me. And it was just about, she's a pop singer now um, named Kim Petras and she's got some hit songs and she's amazing and killing it at the moment. But at the time she was in the news just because she was the youngest trans woman to undergo sexual reassignment surgery. Um, and she had it at 16. So when I read about it, I was just taken back. Visibility and representation of someone who is in Germany and living their life as a trans woman and like literally living her life and she didn't even like really label like she wasn't going mm. around I'm trans everybody she was someone who went through 
puberty blockers and then went through puberty just like any other female would. So I went home and like studied her and like looked up all these kind of things. And that was just a stepping stone to realize there was people like me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just stuff that I've been hearing or that taboo stuff that people make fun of or like when people think trans, it's like Thailand or something like that. And that's the knowledge I had. I thought that's the only where it existed. And it was scary because I was like, there's no option for me or there wasn't really anything I could do. Um, So I started doing research and realizing that there was a reason to how I felt. But then again, in Australia at the time, um, you couldn't transition um, and undergo hormone replacement therapy unless you're 18 and older. So um, I told my parents and the only option you could do was go into family court and sort it out that way and then um, hopefully get hormones eventually, which some trans people did do at the time. That's a process. And once again, I already felt like I was such a burden on friends and just school. And then like, I just didn't want to go. I just felt like waiting it out would have been the the better option. At the time I was 16, 17, so a few more years until I was 18. And I was like, there wasn't really going to be much more changes really anyways. And I was kind of already lucky that I had genes where I was already had feminine features that played to my own advantage. And once I did turn 18, I went through the whole process, which wasn't like a simple fix. It was months of um, going to a psychologist and just them analyzing who you are and real also trying to figure out whether you actually do have gender dysphoria because my GP diagnosed me diagnosed me with having gender dysphoria. For people who don't know what gender dysphoria is, it's um, the discomfort or not being comfortable in the biological sex that you were assigned with at birth. And when people do have gender dysphoria, the only treatment is to transition. And what medical professionals also need to try and figure out is if you actually do have gender dysphoria or if you and whether you're actually just like a boy who just wants to do feminine things or if you're a girl and wants to do masculine things like vice versa where it's just an identity thing then it being a brain thing because gender dysphoria is you having a female brain in a biological male body and then vice versa with trans mm. um, men, which people don't really understand that. They think it's more so just like you just wake up and like, oh, I'm going to start transitioning and I want to be a girl because it looks like fun. I think it's um, that, right? There's like such a such a misconception around that in that a lot of people think that it's a choice. Mm. Um, obviously, the, you know, the choice, sorry, obviously transitioning is, is, you know, part of that and you have that choice, but the dysphoria is not a choice, right? No. It's not. I think I saw on one of your YouTube videos, um, you know, people saying, when did you choose? When you when did you choose this? And it, mm-hmm. like we said before, it doesn't, doesn't, you don't choose it. It chooses you. No. And yeah. dysphoria is, it is, it's in, in a sense a mental condition. Yeah, like I don't wish gender dysphoria onto anybody. Like essentially what happens when someone is trans is that you're, when you're a fetus, your brain is like developed and then there's a, like a point where it's like 
you're going to have male genitalia or um, female genitalia. Everyone starts off with having a vagina and then you either create or start being made as a male or in some cases intersex people Mm -hmm. are created as well. But um, your brain is already made. So if you're like female and you about to go down the female path but then somehow it just goes the other way but your brain was still made as female then that's when someone trans the trans gene begins and that's when like that's when it begins and I think people don't realize that that it's not something that just happens in childhood or it's something that's like it's created by trauma it's like Mm. something that's happened in your life where they're persuaded by something it happened in the womb yeah it's a scientific (laughs) and it's beyond your control like you said it's not something that you've chosen to do it's just it, it is beyond your control and of course you wouldn't put yourself through something that creates so much angst and anxiety um, and difficulty yeah. like why would anyone do that on purpose you no, know exactly um, and I just think you've got such a beautiful way such an eloquent way of um, explaining that mm-hmm. I think in a way that people really understand so yeah. I'm really glad you shared that thank you <laughs> you talked a lot about being dysphoric mm-hmm. and you talk about feeling dysphoric like having like like swimming classes and stuff at school or being around a pool can you talk us through that a little bit? And yeah. How, how you navigated that? Yeah, of course. In primary school, I was mostly just friends with the girls. And there was one person who, at the time, I was like, oh, this is like a guy friend. And like, I never really had friends with like boys. And like, and it was just a friendship where when they did split up um, the boys and the girls for swimming as a child, I still had dysphoria and I still didn't like the You would have fact- had no idea then. Yeah, exactly. What it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still didn't like the fact... All I knew is I didn't like getting changed with all the other boys in like... The boys would be all changed together freely and the girls would always have their own little section where they could all get private... Like have a private moment or some would get like changed um, openly. But... Um, I just always knew that that's what I feared the most. It wasn't the fact of um, swimming or going swimming. Mm. It was just the re- remembrance of my body and, like, like what I was working with and, like, the fact I wasn't actually a girl. Just having that inner conflict was just... It always was reminded when I was swimming. But um, my friend at the time saw that and there was always a space where we could go and get changed secretly and like or like block each other so that we didn't like we just felt not a part of the group which I found like I just thought that was like the sweetest thing ever and just recently like a like probably six months ago um someone like reached out to me and it was the same person and now she's trans and went through the exact same thing that I've gone through wow she went and had SRS as well and just like wanted to connect again and and yeah just looking back I'm like it just shows I could never really have any guy friends I just always had girlfriends like growing up because I was who I could really um, relate to and could talk to to. um but that kind of memory of pools and going swimming and beaches and stuff like that kind of stuck with me so I just kind of avoided it especially pre-op and and not having um the surgery and stuff like that it just was daunting to even think about 
doing anything revolving swimming or getting changed in public or um, yeah, just bearing a body that I wasn't comfortable with, um, even into transitioning, you have like your, you have like the things that you can do in order to um, feel more comfortable, but still like rem- remembrance, like pre-op, like I would tuck, which is things that trans women do too if they're pre-op or like drag queens do. And it's basically like the tucking of the genitalia and creating a smooth surface so you can wear like bikinis or like feminine underwear and all that kind of and stuff. Even like that would that. be uncomfortable and exactly. painful, it's which still... is also a reminder. No, exactly. So I just feel like, <laughs> no, I don't want to go through that because, mm. um, yeah, you'd be in that situation where you're still feeling how like you can only have like four hours being tucked and then you start feeling like you're going to faint or something. Mm. So it's like... Just essentially kind of cutting off blood supply, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I just avoid it. Um, so like that I can't even explain that feeling of putting on a bikini and just going swimming um, after the operation, my brain was silent. Like it didn't react. It was just peaceful. And I was like, what? Like, why is it not going crazy? Why is it like a bot mission or like going, throwing a tantrum? It was just like, I could just focus on going swimming and having a good time with my friends and like. It was less um, reminders. Exactly. Yeah. Like going to a water park and just going on the slides without the fear of like being uncomfortable or just like having all these added anxieties in my head were just gone. Obviously just the normal kind of things that anyone fears or mostly girls fear when they go swimming is just oh like have I not been doing my crunches or where's my bikini (laughs) body gone? There's just those normal thoughts which like I'd smile and be like oh my god I didn't have them before because I was too worked up on the dysphoric Mm things that would just come to my mind but it just like I had normal girly problems which is what I wanted all along that I missed out on because I was so clouded and controlled by dysphoria Mm. um, for most of my life which um, hasn't even been a year post-op. That's amazing. I tell my boyfriend now that I'm just like it's crazy that cisgender people just felt like this from the get-go. I didn't think that that was a thing. I thought everyone felt the same way I did. Like, that was normal to feel that way. But it wasn't. People don't have to live like that. And Mm. if something's wrong, that you can fix it. And you don't have to live with feeling like your body or the world is against you. And, yeah, that was something that little old me needed to know and hear. I didn't have any of that. Yeah, just I needed I needed that little clip of um, what my English teacher gave yeah, me. Yeah, that was like believe. your pivotal moment, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was a beautiful moment. And, like, yeah, I just – he probably doesn't even know, like, he's done that for me. Wow, Which I is, mean, like, uh, so – like, I want to thank him. That's so but, powerful. Um, yeah, it's crazy that someone took that step into a place where most people would feel like they're pushing boundaries or feeling like they're overstepping. But it's those things that touch people and change people's lives. And that's the main reason why I have my YouTube channel. And like, even though I'm making videos and doing the stuff that I do, and I don't essentially see the real life response. It's just comments or people's messages. And I get emails and DMs of how I've helped people. And I think that's so sweet. But the moment that made me realize it's so real is when the first year that I did VidCon Australia was in 2017. 
and I had um, someone's parent come up to me and they were in tears and having someone else's mother cry to me and tell me how that I helped their child, her just telling me about her son and how like he learnt or understood more about himself through my videos and like he showed his mother uh, my videos to start a conversation and That's like so they powerful. connected on that oh and seeing someone else's mum cry mm. and just that genuine appreciation I was just like wow I never thought and I can't really tell anybody or give that experience to anybody because not many people will feel that but that's something that I'm constantly reminded of no matter how much I can feel disheartened that there's better creators or that there's people that go viral or they're getting like so many views and all that kind of stuff like that and getting worked up and like why is there like no more noise or like people wanting to watch my videos but it's not about that it's about the people that you are reaching and the people that you're actually making the videos for because at the end of the day that's more important to me than numbers and obviously I'd love to reach more people but it's a work in pro- progress. Like mm. everything is a work in progress. I like to say progress, not perfect. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I think there's it, there's always room to grow and why stop growing? Yeah, right? exactly. Like why not stop? Why not keep progressing? No. And I love that. And I'm, not, I'm a big believer that if you can help one other person, the butterfly effect of that is so incredibly powerful because that young person that you helped, that you touched, they are likely to perhaps be that person for someone else as well and that's just going to snowball. And hopefully we get to a point in society where we're all completely understanding of each other and respectful of each other's choices and identities and pronouns and all of it and it's just, it is the norm. Everyone has a different normal and I just feel like we need to respect that. Yeah, exactly. We've said this a lot as we've spoken but... People are feeling this way. It's the reality. It's not a choice. So this is happening and really all we can do is support because it's not like, oh, if we ignore it, it'll go away or just push it to the side. Yeah. Like these are very real situations. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's amazing there's people like you to be out there and champion them just through your own experience as well. Yeah. And it also gets people to change the way they think about things too because another thing that going into the surgery, there was no info or, like, really anything about my surgeon and him, like, talking about the experience. As you are saying earlier, SRS is a treatment for gender dysphoria. So it's kind of like it all culminates and it kind of all like comes to a head resulting in surgery. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that it goes away, right? No, yeah. Everyone's um, experience with gender dysphoria is different. So like when people, are, and they shouldn't really be asking it, but like when they ask about the surgery is usually what people say. It's like there's multiple surgeries that a trans person can have mm. and it just depends on what's more prominent in their lives. For example, for trans men, it's usually their top surgery that's their first surgery that they get because the amount of dysphoria they have around breasts is just, like, overwhelming. Um, Like you said earlier, it's those reminders, and that's going to be different for everyone. Exactly that. So for me, it was having SRS because the dysphoria was controlling my life. Like, I couldn't picture 
um, having another year of feeling that way. So I needed to have it done like ASAP. And because there's only one surgeon, like there was a long waiting list as That's well. That's crazy. So there's only ha- one surgeon. Yeah. Is that in Melbourne or in Australia? Do you know? It's just one surgeon in Australia and that's it. And um, Dr. Andy Ives did come from the UK because there wasn't really anyone doing the surgery oh, here in Australia. Wild. So, wow. um, yeah, it's, it's still – he's been doing the surgery for, like, many years now here in Australia. He did replace someone who was doing the surgery before him prior in Melbourne. But, um, like, it's always so new and the technique and, like, things are changing so much and getting updated. There's always new things that you hear online mm-hmm. um, and different surgeons coming into the picture, but still so new in Australia. Um, there's not many options. There is no option for trans men to have SRS done in Australia. So there's so much, like, needed in that space. Um, Which is why I guess a lot of people find themselves going offshore where perhaps there isn't the same level of medical care yeah. or support, but yeah. they're just forced to or they feel forced to because it's their only option. Exactly. And also when Nine News did put that news article everywhere it was like sad to see that most of the reactions from it um were 70 percent hate and that was mostly from australia and that's crazy to me because like my audience on youtube it's third for australia and most of it's the us and then it's the uk um wow and it's mostly been positive stuff and i've done things in the past where it's reached big audiences but the main audience obviously isn't Australia. So this was like the first kind of article where it's just Australian based. And I didn't even think twice about it because I was like, there's other um, kind of things I've done where I'm like, it's going to reach a whole audience in the US, for example. And I'm like, they're a bit, there's some parts are still backwards and don't really accept trans people. But then it's like, oh, okay, there's still hate, but it's not as much as I thought it was going to be. Mm. But then with the Australian one, I was like, Holy crap. We've got a long way to go by the sounds of it. It was kind of sad, like in your home country where you feel you feel accepted now. Yeah. Is that fair to say? That you feel that you are who you are and you feel comfortable in your own skin and you feel accepted and yet yeah, I mean it's easy to be a keyboard warrior though, Mm -hmm. right? Like people it's like say it to my face kind of thing. I hope they wouldn't. That's horrible. But it just it sounds like we do have a fair way to go. Mm -hmm. Well it just it also the thing that like hit me the most is the fact like I have dealt with a lot of trolls on YouTube and you can't you click on their profile and they're literally nobody. You can't put a face to their name. But um, a lot of this hate was coming from Facebook profiles. So I was looking at them and I was like these people have like families mm. and are married and what if that was your child and stuff what if, like that. What if it's your exactly. sister? What if it's Yeah. I, I wonder if there's a bit of a disconnect because people kind of never think that they'll be touched by something like this or no. affected by it. But the people in every day in every walk of life yeah. living with, you know, going through all kinds of things that they probably wouldn't know about. I mean, what if their child goes through something like that and they're not aware of it? They wouldn't want their child to go through pain. Exactly. So, And like what I was saying, that, like, it was such a positive article where my surgeon said something. It was just, there was nothing wrong with it and there was just so much positivity and information there and that's how people responded to it. And it was just sad because I don't think they realised I'd actually read the comments. I don't know why people think that, but there was very little. Support. Like the, there was like those people like 
responding back to the hate comments and stuff like that. But there was like memes in the comments and all of these really, really bad horrible. stuff that was um, said. And those people having debates where they're like, why is Medicare paying for this? Well, I need a like hip surgery or something. And I've been waiting for a long time. And I'm like, that's bad that you've been waiting a long time. And I'm sorry for that. But my surgeon is not going to be doing your hip replacement. Yeah, it's out of context. <laughs> exactly. And like, it's totally different. And yeah, Medicare does play for a very, very small amount of the surgery. The surgery, no matter where you go, is going to be around 30 to 40K, wow. just for context. And Medicare pays for like 3,000 of that. So um, wow. yeah, when people were coming for me, I was like, no. Yeah. Um, when you've got like very progressive countries where they're paying for all of that yeah. and where it's when you actually look at how much money goes into it, you don't need that much compared to where money is actually going. Mm. Yeah, it just shows, yeah, it is a flawed um, situation. Yeah. But, People um, are so quick to judge too without having yeah. that knowledge. Like who would know what what SRS costs? <laughs> exactly. Like generally, I mean... I, I think when you when you put people on the spot and ask them, they couldn't tell you. And so mm-hmm. to be making, throwing around assumptions like that. Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy. I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, my friends were like, please don't read the comments. And, like, mm, my family to, were like, that? don't. Because mm. I was excited for it to go live. I was like, wow. This and is... it was positive. Yeah. You're exactly. proud of it, mm-hmm. as, as you should be. Yeah. Um, and like... you, you, like, you, I guess you want people to be, to be with you. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you don't get that, it's just disheartening. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like one of those things that I felt like I was in like a little bubble. I was like, I've thankfully I've never had a bad experience with being in public and someone saying something or um, just anything bad happening mm. because I'm trans. And yeah, I was just kind of like, if this is the majority of what people think on this post is like all this time of people just like, going around like not knowing that I'm trans but they don't accept it or like they would laugh at me or this kind of stuff like that but like I was saying to you before people don't expect or know that they like will ever come across a trans person because like they just have this own kind of Mm. perception of what they think a trans person is like. Or a particular stereotype. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's not the case because that's a stereotype. Yeah, (laughs) Not everyone fits a certain mould. You can't put everyone in the same box. Yeah, you you don't believe everything you see in the media that goes for every stereotype and every minority. Don't think that that's your one source or, like, that's how people are because everyone's different. Everyone comes in different shapes and sizes. And you actually hear it from the people, the real voices right. telling their authentic stories instead of someone else yeah. changing and it up. There's no right or wrong. Like no. everyone identifies differently. You know, how you identify is different to how I identify and it would be different to how the next person identifies, you know, and but it's all okay. Mm-hmm. It's all normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the dialogue we need to change and we need to really start to amplify. And your YouTube channel does an amazing job of that. I love the vids. I love that I love that you've kind of got this very serious, like I think you're so beautifully spoken and so, like I've said before, so eloquent. Um, and you just say things so nicely and it's like you're not kind of abrupt and confronting about it. You're just it's kind of in a really nice, in a way, like an educational tone, in that it's um yeah, it's just 
I just think you're awesome. Anyways, I'm waffling. But, um, but then I also like that you've got this really funny side and you kind of, you can make a joke of things as well. Mm-hmm. And like some of your videos are really funny, like about just <laughs> the dumb comments that you get that are pretty funny and pretty tone deaf. But it's the reality, right? But I think it's, but it's kind of great that you can show both sides of that. Oh, I saw on one of your vlogs that uh, you were talking about how when you were younger and when you were kind of just trying to figure out your own identity, that you were in your mind, you know, dressing kind of in like feminine ways, but you still felt like a boy, yet people were mistaking you for a girl. And I think you, you've you said before that like you you just felt like a boy in in makeup. Post SRS, do you, has that changed? Um, I don't say it's like post SRS that that moment changed. I think that moment changed when I think that moment came to me is when I actually realized that I was different. I had gender dysphoria and I was trans um, from the get-go. The only reason I was feeling like that at that young age was because that's what was told or set out for me, thinking that like that's how I had to live my life or that's what was like set out. For me, not like mm. it was a choice. I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to choose. That's your path and, yeah, right. Like me feeling like that, I was never a boy and I, like, don't, even though when people say, like, I identify as this, I identify mm. as that, like, I personally don't like to say that I identify as female. I just am female mm. because, like I said before, it's, yeah. like, it's a brain thing. I love that. And I was, like, yeah. female from the get-go. It was just a different way yeah. of like you just had to navigate it in a slightly curlier way than some yeah, other people exactly but um at that time and at that time in my life I did feel like I was like a boy in makeup because that's what people was like saying I was and technically that's what I was but um I didn't realize that people were seeing a girl some people would actually see that I was just like any other girl just with short hair but I was real like I was navigating through that as well and seeing that people see feminine things and associate it with a certain gender now that we know that there's no gender on items we know that clothing doesn't have a gender makeup doesn't have a gender and there's more self-expression being able to be out there like you look on social media and there's all these boys who are like wearing nail polish and like changing up their fashion sense and stuff like that and they're still straight or like doesn't really matter what their um sexual identity is Mm -hmm. but um no one really cares and like labels are starting to become less as time goes on like the younger generations don't really care for them that much they're just like it is what it is and like they're just more accepting yeah just be exactly but yeah, there wasn't really a point. Like it wasn't after SRS. I was like, oh, mm. I'm female now. Like I'm a woman. It was more when you understood more about psychologically, physiologically, what was going on. Yeah. Where that was kind of the pivotal moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, that sense of comfort when like you have medical professionals telling you that oh, this is an actual like diagnosis and it's and there's a cause for the reason you mm. feel this way and some validation yeah that and that you're not this crazy is, yeah i'm not crazy this yeah. is normal this mm-hmm. is this is what's going on and this is what i can do exactly i have options now yeah i love that you just touched on like femininity then this is a really interesting topic even for me personally way back when like 14 odd years ago when i started moxie mm-hmm. femininity um I, I feel like femininity has really changed from what it 
from what it was like 14 years ago. <laughs> and, I mean, you can even notice that in our packaging. It used to be very sort of pink and frilly and arguably quite girly. Mm-hmm. And over time, for me personally, even as a woman, femininity has morphed. And I think what it means to be feminine is so much more fluid now. I'd love to hear how you interpret femininity and what it means to you. Yes. So I feel like femininity and masculinity are just on this wavelength of like a spectrum. It's it's shaped by the society that we live in and what is being pushed through advertisements and what we see is what traditionally we're supposed to do as like girls and boys. But for me, there's certain things in my life that I realized would help me feel a bit more feminine. And there's some times where it's like, you don't really need them in order to validate your sense of womanhood or Mm. feeling like more of a girl than you were yesterday. Like, for example, at the earlier times of my transition, I felt like I need to always wear a face of makeup and present myself as like, every other girl would or what's traditionally put out being like women should wear makeup and look presentable and all that kind of stuff like that and I was kind of just like no I have my own kind of style and if I want to put makeup on then I will if I don't then I don't have to um it shouldn't be put out there that the go-to kit for a woman is to like have a face of makeup Mm. and be nicely dressed and for men, it's just like put a t-shirt on and pants and they're ready yeah. to go. Yeah. So it's like, that's not how it really is and it should be. We should like be able to express it in all different kinds of ways. And the reasons why I was doing that stuff was solely because of how I thought women and girls should be like and what was being shown everywhere. But as I like actually started my transition having, and maybe that was a, facade and I was trying to put on a mask to hide the fact that like I was just waiting for hormones or I need to be this heightened version of a girl because I felt like I needed to make up for the fact that I wasn't going through puberty as any other girl and I was trying to have that traditional girly experience where you have your first crush and you go on dates and all that kind of stuff like that which I was trying to do but it wasn't the same person I am today. Like I was being Mm. this fake version of myself. But as soon as I got the hormones and started to go through my transition hormonally and started to balance out and actually being just like any other girl, I started to realize that there was so much more levels to femininity and that there's ways that you can express it and it doesn't have to be just like one way doesn't have to be a makeup look or a hairstyle. It's um, the way you carry yourself and the way that you you just live your life, basically. I love that you sort of see it as a spectrum, and I agree with that entirely. And I don't think it's just one way or the other, and I think it's different on different days and it's different for different people. Like some days, personally, like some days I'll feel super girly and like I want to get my hair done and like a full face of makeup and then like other days I kind of like to like a more like androgynous look and I like to sort of embrace my masculine side a bit more and I feel a bit edgy it makes me feel edgy Mm -hmm. but that makes me feel empowered as well and that's all okay 
but that's arguably that's still femininity. Like yeah. it's just it's different interpretations of. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I just I love the way you've described that because that's really what I really what I I want to share with people as well is that people have got a different interpretations of what it means to be feminine or masculine or whatever else. And stereotypes have gone. This whole like classic ideal of what it means to be a woman and you have to be a certain way and you have to wear, you know, stilettos all the time and a pencil skirt and whatever else is just kind of a really archaic, yeah, stereotype, I guess. Yeah. You know, you don't, and I think also, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a woman or be born a woman to be feminine. You can still be feminine and identify as something else or be something else. So I love the way you've described that. Exactly. And it's just like your different levels of comfort. Like, for example, as well, like I feel like my femininity was tested um, when I entered this relationship with my current boyfriend because I, I am a little bit more taller than him and I've only been with taller guys to hide the fact that I was secretly insecure about that because we're, we're sure we're taught and shown that the guy should always be taller and also there was that added bit of dysphoria the fact that I felt like if I was taller people were going to be able to see that I am trans or like try and like clock me um mm. that's that's a trans term for like figuring out if you're trans but as I realized it didn't actually matter and it doesn't take away from my womanhood and how much you know what I mean it's just like it's just a very small thing compared to the bigger picture of our relationship and mm. the person that I'm with it's like it doesn't really matter about the beginning I did think like that going into the first few dates I was like oh he's sure they're like maybe that's a no-go and like I'm like kick myself that I even thought like that that's yeah. so stupid you guys it looks so sweet <laughs> like so sweet together yeah and I was just thinking like am I going to be able to wear heels again and all that kind of stuff like that I'm like how do you even like heels and I rarely <laughs> wear them I'm already told to begin with why would I put heels on but it's just that added sense of like I always wore heels in high school and like yeah. I loved that and the only fact I loved it because I thought I was being feminine mm. and I thought I was expressing it in that way but no there's other ways that you can you can do it and yeah. like it shouldn't really matter so good so good um what is what's next for AJ so, you're doing a lot <laughs> there's a lot going on yeah there's a there's a lot happening like I took a big step and I left my um job and I'm still navigating that kind of life it feels weird not having the office job and like doing that in the near future, um, I'm going to be on a web series, which I did mention briefly at the beginning, um, which is called The Phased Series. And it is based on a true story that happened in Melbourne and it's filmed in Brisbane. But it's a web series based around these teens in their final year of high school um, and navigating their like school life while creating a queer formal that um, is a thing that is set up by Minus 18. It's a LGBTQI plus youth organization that started in Melbourne, creating mm. queer formals for youth under 18. Um, and it's become bigger things now. So they do like taking them to concerts or doing like activities for teens under 18 where they can meet and see that there's other people like them because sometimes it can be difficult if you're in the outer suburbs and you don't really have anybody to relate to um, so that's important and now it's like branched out to other places in Australia but the core of the story 
is when Minus 18 held their first queer formal, a bunch of lobbyists bought out all the tickets so that none of the children could go to the queer formal. I was actually in my 10th year of high school around that time, I think, and I heard about it being at that age and just coming to terms of who I was. I was kind of like, oh no, that's scary. Like, is this the community that I want to be a part of because it's getting so much hate? And I was scared. Like, I feel like if that was another added layer that wasn't in my teen years, I would have felt more confident with owning up to who I was and coming out to myself, which is the most important step for people within the community, is the first step of coming out to yourself because then you can openly express that to others and that conflict is just crazy in itself. But yeah, so that happened around that time and it's it's based around when Minus 18 did hold that formal and the fact of these people buying out the tickets thought that they were stopping the formal but actually put money towards the formal and the formal became bigger and better than what it was going to be to begin with. <laughs> Talk um, about karma. <laughs> yeah. So they actually bought the tickets, which like put more money into the formal and then they could release more tickets and then the kids could still go. And there was this really beautiful moment where these LGBTQI elders like stood outside the formal and created a like barricade so oh, that all these kids wow. could I got goosebumps just saying yeah. that but um, all the kids could enter the formal without the parents and stuff like protesting they protested the formal God, and yeah they blocked it so that they wouldn't see it and they could just go in and take whoever they wanted to take yeah. wear whatever they wanted to wear and yeah they're recreating that and it's going to be so cool to actually like be a part of that and um, and to be able to portray a trans girl in high school and have it being a main character as well is huge. Like we need more trans characters and having them as leads. Um, and that goes for all minorities, enough yeah. of the under side characters or the depressing, sad stories. Like we need the real authentic mm. like life stories. And she's going through high school, going to the formal and has an epic love story, which is, going to be so amazing to portray that too and also showcasing what it's like to be trans and having dysphoria um, which is important and the writers are doing a great job at navigating that real experience by talking to me also getting other experiences so it's not just biased on my um, behalf but yeah making sure that it's like going to educate people but more so the characters being created so that trans people can be like wow that's me like I feel exactly the same as that person that's my experience right there so it's yeah it's going to be a beautiful moment and I feel so honored that I get to be a part of that and I'm just so excited power to you it's going to be epic I can't wait to see it um wow we've covered a lot is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about like is there anything in particular is there a particular message that you kind of want to amplify or yeah, is there, is there anything that you think we've missed? Also, I'd just like to, like, put out there that you shouldn't really think that how you're feeling or what you're going through at the moment is forever. Things do change and things are temporary as well. How you feel now might not be how you feel in a year's time. So, like, don't take everything so seriously that's like advice I'd go and tell myself like when I did begin my transition because like I got so worked up on the changes and putting 
all my focus on my transition and forgetting to just breathe and soaking in being present and realizing that there's more to life and that you don't have to just focus on those soul-like moments of your life. Just look up and realize that there's so much more that you could be doing as well um, and, and be open to that because um, beautiful things start to happen when you do start to just think and care more about what's happening around you as well. I think you've just told a really beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you so much for having me. AJ Clementine, what a true inspiration, and she's only 23. There is so much more to her story that we just unfortunately couldn't do justice with one single podcast app, but I do encourage you all to follow AJ on YouTube. Links are, of course, in the show notes, where she shares her journey in informative yet hilarious and really relatable ways. If you like what you heard on today's episode, and of course, why wouldn't you? Please give us some stars, preferably five of them, and a review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to this podcast, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher to be the first to know when a new episode drops. In the meantime, join us in the Girls Got Moxie community group on Facebook where everyone has a say or get in touch with me anytime and share your feedback or your thoughts at girlsgotmoxie at moxie.com.au. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.